here, guys. After 20 years in the book of Exodus, or a little bit shorter than that, we're going to finish up uh, with five chapters, and and uh, it has kind of really one uh, kind of one singular theme. And so um, instead of kind of belaboring the point out for the next uh, five or six Fridays, I thought it would be best to just to finish it off uh, here and now, and then we'll we'll move to Exodus in a, in, a, in a few weeks or so. Um, and as we're going to find... Exodus? Yeah, Exodus. What? I'm sorry? Exodus. Yes, we're in Exodus today. I know, but you said we're going to move to it. Oh, we're going to move to Leviticus. Sorry. Oh, wait. We're move to Leviticus. That's what I meant. Exodus, Leviticus, same thing. <laughs> no. So as, as we're going to find out tonight, Exodus ends in a very powerful way. And, I, and by way of review, I said that this book of Exodus is really the Bible's cornerstone of theology. Many of the theologies we see later in the Bible, more fully developed, uh, it finds its beginning in Exodus. We learn about corporate solidarity that Moses first needs to identify with Israel to be their savior. We learn about uh, the character of God, the nature of God, theology proper, in other words. We, we learned about the, the Exodus has established the theology of a mediator. We know that if, if God is going to uh, keep his promises to his people, there needs to be a mediator, and this mediator needs to be more than a man. Uh, we learned about what deliverance, from, what real Exodus looks like, what real deliverance looks like. It's not just uh, horizontal, it needs to also be a, a, a vertical for it to be a full Exodus. And so we know this is, can't be the end. It can't end like this, because although uh, Israel is freed from the la- slavery of Pharaoh, they're still in slavery to their own sin. So in, in the book of Exodus, God, this is really God, he's uh, launching his name. He's, it's a public launch. Remember years ago when we launched a Cross Life? We told all our friends about it. We had we in, and, and we invited everybody we could knew, and we we put we had flyers, and people came, and and that was just kind of letting the neighborhood know, hey, we're in the neighborhood. This is Cross Life. This is what we're about. And so in Exodus, God does this. He's saying, this is this is who I am. This is my name, Yahweh. And He does it through Pharaoh. He does it through the mightiest empire in the world, in order to to let people know about who He is. This is a, a launch of his agenda for the world. This is a launch of his salvation plan. Exodus was also about, as I said a little bit a second ago, it was about a, a horizontal exodus, but uh, we realize we need, we, we, we need a vertical exodus. We need true freedom. And, and we also learned that book, this book, the book of Exodus, is, is filled with tensions, right? Tensions. On the one hand, the law points out our, points out our, our sin, but the, on the other hand, the law points to our salvation. And on one hand, Israel receives this great gift, this grace of the law, but on the other hand, they don't seem to be able to obey the law. And yet, within the law, you have contained within it uh, hope, hope for the future. The Passover points to future hope. The tabernacle is a symbol of, of future hope. And then we get to Exodus 32 and 33, we learn that there is a way to deal with sin, and it's through a mediator. This theological framework for a mediator is established in these chapters, but the problem is that we don't have a qualified mediator. Moses volunteers himself, blot me out, Lord, for, for this golden calf debacle. And God says, no, if I, if I blot you out, then I have to blot you out and nobody else, because you're a sinner. 
And so there's this tension that Moses, he can only die for his own sins. In Exodus 34, God reveals the backside of his glory to Moses, and we find, find out there's, God is gracious, but we also learn what about God's name? He cannot leave the guilty unpunished. So there's this tension, right? Uh, so in, in, in 34.10, it says that God will do greater miracles than the first, first exodus. There's going to be a second exodus. And yet God is willing to be patient until that second exodus. Things are not fully resolved in the present, but in the future, they will, be, they will find final and perfect resolution. And all these tensions are bound up in the face of Moses at the end of chapter 34, when he comes down Mount Sinai, and, and Moses is shining with God's glory. You know, his face is like, the, like, a, like a glow worm, you know. And all the words for, that you see in, in the end of chapter 34, the words that are used for shine or shining or shun, it's, it's also the word used for horn. It's also the word used for horn. And it's, and it's a play on. It's meant to point you back to the, to, to the golden calf who also had horns as well. And the point made, one of the points made at the end of chapter 34 is, you thought that that golden calf had glory, but God is the only one who has true glory. And what did we learn about this nature of God's glory on, on Moses' face? That number one, his glory has the power to destroy you for your sin. This is why God's people are afraid of Moses. Um, and, Moses is, and yet Moses is still speaking with Israel. And while giving them the law. So on one hand, the glory can destroy you, but on the other hand, it can transform you, and here we have another tension. Not everything has been resolved. There are tensions, but somehow we have hope they'll be resolved in the future. And if you noticed all these tensions in our previous Fridays, the past month or two, then chapter 35 and 30, chapter 35 through chapter 40 is going to make a little bit more sense to you. Let's go to chapter 35. And the wonderful thing is, in light of this, again, this golden calf uh, treachery and betrayal by God's people, uh, we learn there's, there's full restoration, right? Chapter 34, they're given the law again, and, and, it's, to, and it's a way to signify everything's going to start over. Uh, I'm, I'm going to forget everything, no restrictions. Just like the first time I gave you law, the second time it's going to be the same thing. Uh, all, all, you know, all, all debts are just wiped, wiped away. And so we find out in chapter 35, in, in verses 1 and 2, that, that they're, they're still, Israel is still allowed to represent God on the Sabbath. Verse 2, six, works, six, days, work, six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath, a complete rest of Yahweh. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Israel still has the privilege of representing to the world that, that we're worshipers of God. Because remember, in back, back then, you worked, you worked seven days a week, right? You did all you can to work every single day because life depended on it. Uh, I have a lot of friends, you know, who, who, who own Chinese restaurants, and they tell me what? They work seven days a week. They get one day off for Christmas, right? Because they're, they're, they, they need to make it. They need to live. And that was the norm in Moses' time. So for an entire nation to rest on the Sabbath, I mean, you get the world's attention. They go, why are you not working? And, and, and this was a way of representing God to the world. So they, they, get their, they get this privilege. Israel still has this privilege. Even now in Israel, right? Uh, from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, all the shops close. Everything is shut down. Uh, uh, and 
And the only difference is, is that they're at home like playing video games. They're not worshiping. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it still gets your attention a little bit, right? Even Chick-fil-A on Sunday. It's what? Every Sunday at lunchtime, I, there, there would be times what? I'd be like, oh, let's get some Chick-fil-A. And my wife would remind me, it's closed on Sunday. And I would say, oh, man, these Old Testament people. They need to, they need to come forward into the New Testament so I can have my Chick-fil-A sandwich. Uh, and so in the beginning of chapter 35, we learn that uh, Israel, they can, still, they can still worship God. They can still represent him to the nation. And then in verses 3 and following, um, Israel is given the privilege of bringing contributions uh, for the tabernacle. Uh, look, look, look at uh, uh, verse 5. Uh, take, a, take from among you a comp- contribution to Yahweh. Uh, with, and the key is what? Whoever is of a willing heart. It needs, it needs to be from your heart. And, 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 and this is what you're to bring. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat hair, ramskide, dyed. dyed. Uh, this, is the same, this is the same list. Let's go back to tra- chapter 25. When the, when the first time when the people uh, brought uh, contributions uh, to build the tabernacle. Go, go to uh, uh, chapter 25, uh, verse uh, Two, it needs to be from a willing heart. In verse three, what are you to bring? Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, uh, lighting. It's the same list. The same list of in chapter twenty-five is found in chapter uh, thirty-five, right? And and this this exact uh, reduplication. The point of that is that 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 God's people can participate to the very same degree that God originally stipulated before the, the, the betrayal uh, of the golden calf worship. Uh, things are going to begin just like they did the first time. And look at verse 10. Uh, everybody, everyone uh, can, uh, can bring, everybody's allowed to bring something to build the, the tabernacle. And not just they're allowed to bring stuff, they're allowed to bring their skills they're allowed to uh, um, uh, uh, look at uh, in verse twenty-five. They can they can spin blue and purple as scarlet material. Um, the the women they're stirred with wisdom and gold's hair, and uh, you know so they they can bring all their skills and and they can they can all participate. Even women, right? Even women can can come to the nap tabernacle and can and can bring uh, bring uh, all their all their contributions, they can work on it, and everybody can bring their skills. Remember, before it was just two people who could do the building. It was just Bezalel and Oholiab, and now, but now everybody can bring their skills. Look at verse 10. Let everyone wise at heart come, you come and make, look at that, and verse 10, and make all that Yahweh has commanded. Everybody can make the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle. This is a real restoration. This is not a fake restoration. This is a, a real restoration. Um, and again, the same materials in verses nine through nine, 10 through 19 is found in chapter 25. Uh, but also in the, in the next chapters, you get the instructions of, of how to build the tabernacle. But this is where we find the first big tension in these chapters, in these final chapters. Although Israel can participate in the building of the tabernacle, what you're going to notice is, is that the direction they're building, all these parts of the tabernacle, is from the inside going outward, right? 
Like usually when you build a house, what do you start with? The foundation, and then you start with what? The outside, the walls, you start with the roof, and then you work on the inside. The inside comes last. But in, the, in, this, in, this, uh, in these directions of how to build the tabernacle, you start from the inside and you continue to go outside until God says, okay, now you can go home. Now you can leave, right? So there's this real restoration, but the way they're building it, it points toward exclusion. The building instructions of God are basically, okay, you start in the center, you move farther away, uh, you can participate, everybody can participate, but you have to work from the inside to the outside. Uh, and this is why, and so if you can see, you can see that, uh, you can see that uh, in verse 10, you can see that there, right? You, you have the, uh, you have the, the ark of verse 12, you have the ark, the mercy seat, then the table, then the poles, then the lampstand, and the altar of the incense, and then you work outside. Then you have the altar of burnt offering and bronze grating, and then 17, and then the hangings of the court, and the screen for the gate of the court, and the pegs of the court, right? So that you see the inside, you're going outside. And then finally, in verse 19, once you're all the way outside, then you can make the priest for the, then you can make the garments from the holy priest, because that's the only way you're going to get back to the inside. You need a, a mediator. You start from the middle, you go outside. When you get outside, then you make the, 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 the garments for the priest who's the, who, 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 who's the only one who can bring you near to God. Uh, verse 22, uh, look, look, look at uh, 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 both men and women. Verse 22, the willing hearts. Everybody's involved. Verse 23, uh, every man was, uh, uh, was, bringing, was contributing. Verse 25, 25 and 6, all the women, uh, verse 26, all the women, uh, they were, they were, so we see this, it's full restoration. This is Israel at their best. Um, it's coming from their heart. Look at verse 29. Um, after the sons of Israel, uh, what did they do? All the men and women whose heart was willing, right? Willing to bring materials for all the work which Yahweh had commanded through the hand of Moses. Now they're, they're, they're called to bring a free will offering. This is an offering out of just, just your heart. This is, this, so all of this so far is showing that, that Israel is giving their best to God. And then in verse 30 and 31, not only do you have the best materials being given by the people, you have the best experts. You get, uh, verse 30, you get Bezalel. He's the expert at building this. And then you get Oholiab in verse uh, 34. He's an expert given wisdom. And so chapter 35 ends with the best people. And then you move to chapter 36, and, and um, Israel is bringing, it, it's, it's so good. This, this contribution is so good. Uh, look what it says, um, look what they say to Moses. The wise men say to Moses in verse 5, look, Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the service of the work which Yahweh commanded us to do. They say, Moses, they're giving too much. We don't need all of this. There, there, there's, there, there's, there, we, we, need to, we need to stop, right? And then so Moses commands them in, in verse 6. He says, okay, uh, let uh, uh, no man uh, or woman any longer do the work for the contributes of the sanctuary. So the, thus the people were, were restrained, bringing any more. Indeed, the, mirror, the material, verse 7, they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to do it. They, they have the, 
They have, they have more than enough. We're giving, we're getting all the material that we need. Right? And next, we get a kind of a, a reduplication in chapter 36 of chapter 25 and through 28. In chapter 25 through 28, um, they, they, were, they were to make, they were commanded to make the tabernacle. They were, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this. And now in chapter 36, it's similar kind of language, but this is what they did in light of the instructions in chapters 25 through 28. In chapters 25 through 28, God says, you shall make. And in chapter 36, this is what they did. So go back, go to chapter 26 real quick by way of comparison. And you're going to see the kind of the exact wording there. Very similar wording. Chapter 26, 15. There God, he's giving them instructions of how to build their tabernacle. And he says in 26, verse 15, then you shall make the boards for the tabernacle of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of each board, and one and a half cubits the width of each board. There shall be two tens for each board fitted to one another. Thus you shall do for all the boards of the tabernacle. You shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side. You shall make 40 bases of silver. Uh, verse 23, you shall make two boards for the corners. Right, verse 26, you shall make bars of acacia wood. So there you see this, this constant refrain of you shall make, you shall make, you shall make. And now go to chapter 36, verse 20, and it's the same wording, but it's, it's a little bit different this time. And it says now, then he made the boards for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Ten uh, cubits of each length. There were two tenons for each board. Look at verse 20. And he made the boards for the tabernacle. Verse 24. And he made 40 bases of silver, right? Uh, verse 28. And he made two boards, right? Everything is identical instead of, but instead of you shall make, this is what they did, right? This is what they did. In other words, everything is fulfilled. Everything God commanded, Israel obeyed to the letter, to the very detail. Right? I mean, this is great listening. Like when I tell my kids, hey, can you do this, 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 this? They're like, what? <laughs> and you say it again, this, 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 and they do like one of the five things, right? But when they get it, when, when, my, my, when my son does it to the, to the T, when he gets every detail, I mean, that's when I know he's giving his all in all. I mean, he's giving his best, right? And this is what Israel is doing. Israel is giving their very best to God. Everything is fulfilled to the letter. It's it just verbatim. Uh, this is Israel's uh, obedience to God at their finest. This is their, finer, their finest hour. Everything down to the very word is obeyed. But what's the tension? As they're building, they're going from inside to out. Like they're building, but they're, 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 they're moving away from God. They're moving away from the presence of God. And what is God saying? Hey, I, I appreciate your best, but your best isn't good enough. Your best is not good enough. Chapter 37, Bezalel. He's their best worker. I mean, he's their MVP. He's their Michael Jordan of ta ta Tabernacle Building, right? 
He's HDTV's finest in the ancient world. And you have him building the tabernacle. And uh, again, they're giving their best. Israel's giving their best. But notice, notice the direction. Bezel made the ark, verse 1. Then he made the poles, then the mercy seat. And look at verse 10. Then he makes the table, he makes the table, then he makes the lampstand, and then chapter 38, make the altar of the burnt offering, and then the laver of bronze outside the tent, and then the court, right? He's going from inside out, inward to outward. Bezel is their best worker, their best worker. Uh, verse 29, he made the holy anointing oil, and the pure fragrant incense of spices, the work of the pure, even the fine like uh, details of all the kind of different ingredients you would need to make the use to make the oil and the and the incense of spices. You know, you know when you have your, you know when you cook, you have a cookbook, and what do you do? You you follow the the instructions, and it still turns out bad, right? Because you, you miss just a little detail. But no, even to the very letter, to the detail, the bezel. Israel's very finest. He's doing everything he can, but he's what? He's working from inside to outside, right? Um, we move to chapter 38. We move to chapter 38. And uh, we're moving outward, right? The altar of burnt offering that was placed outside the tent and the laver of bronze that was on the outside of the tent and the court. But look at the women. Look at the, um, the women are... They're, they're bringing what? They have mirrors of the serving women. Back then, mirrors were very, very expensive. Uh, to, ha- to contribute mirrors showed that a big sacrifice was being made. But we have a new de- detail that we've never seen before. Look at verse 8. The serving women, who, they, they served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So the priests and the women... They're, they're all actively serving in the worship program. Everybody's, everybody's invol- involved. This is the very best that Israel has to offer. We have Israel's best. They're building and everybody's involved. And, and then you, you see, uh, you just see how they're very best. Look at the verse, starting from verse 21. And you see what was used, right? Verse 24. Oh, verse 21. These are the things numbered for the, for the tabernacle. That word, that, that phrase in verse 21, these are the things. This is, the, this is a word that, uh, that you find in Genesis 2. So God is saying we're going back to Eden. And then we see the cost of everything. Look at all the, verse 24, all the gold that was used for the work. There was 29 talents of gold, 730 shekels of gold. You have the silver, 100 talents, 1,770 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Uh, 100 talents of silver were casting the bases, 1,775 shekels, the bronze, uh, 70 talents, 2,400 shekels. Uh, this, is, this is costly. Uh, Israel's giving the, the, giving the best of their best. They're no, they're no cheapskates. They're not holding back. We're not holding back. And this is, and God is saying we're going, the language used here is a language from Genesis 2, and, and, and God is saying we're going back to Eden, and everybody on Israel is bored. The price tag out of it all, it affirms this reality. But again, 
You're, 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 you're working from the inside to the outside. You started in the middle with the, with the, with the, 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 the ark. And now you're, you end up in chapter 38 in, in making the court, right? And then once you get to the outside, what does God say in chapter 39? He gives them instructions about the priestly garments. He says, okay, now that you're in the, now that you have these, now that you, you're outside, you need, a, you need a priest to get back in. And so chapter 39 uh, begins, this entire chapter is about the clothing for the priests. If you want to come back near to God, you, you need a priest, right? And in chapter 39, it, 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 it just, it, it simply affirms that Israel is giving the, the very best of their best. The very best of their best. Uh, look at verse 29, 21. Um, as, they build, as, they, as they construct the, the garments for the priests, look at verse 21. They bound the breastpiece by its ring to the rings of the ephod with the blue cord so that it would be on the skillfully woven band of the ephod and that the breastpiece would not come loose from the ephod. Look what it says. Just as Yahweh had commanded Moses, right? They're giving the very best of their best. It doesn't get better than verse 26, uh, than, than, than this. Uh, look at verse 26. Uh, alternating the bell and a pomegranate all around on the hem of the robe of the ministry, just as Yahweh had commanded Moses. It doesn't get better than this. The, Israel's giving, they're, they're all in all. Look at verse 31. They fastened a blue cord to it to fasten on the turban above just as Yahweh had commanded Moses. I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty spectacular in light of uh, the recent chapters, in light of what we saw in, in, in the beginning of Exodus. And now we're, 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 we're getting down to the home stretch, right? We're coming down to the home stretch in these last two chapters, 39 and, 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 uh, and chapter 39 and, and chapter 40. And if you look at uh, chapter 39, <laughs> 39, um, 39 verses, verse 32, uh, the word, it says, Thus all the service of constructing the tabernacle of the tent of the meeting was completed. So the sons of Israel did according to all that Yahweh had commanded Moses, uh, so they did. Again, these words you find in, in Genesis 2, the same construction. This is just like the language of Genesis 2. God is gonna. God is gonna bring you back to uh, back to Eden. He's gonna bring you back to Eden. Look at uh, verse forty-two uh, again. Verse forty-two, chapter thirty-nine. Thus, according to all that Yahweh had commanded Moses, so the sons of Israel did all did in all their service. Right, uh, Israel did in the did did their very best to God. And then you see more language uh, of 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 Genesis 1 and 2 and verse 43 of chapter 39. And Moses, right, saw all the work, and behold, they had done it just as Yahweh commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. Remember that? Uh, God blessed Adam and Eve. This should remind you of Genesis 1 and 2. This is all that God is giving Israel, and Israel is doing their best for God. And so there we have creation hope. There is hope, language of Genesis 1 here in, in this last verse. And then you have more creation language in chapter, uh, verse, chapter 40, verse 2. On the first day, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of meeting. See, the tabernacle is all about creation. 
See, all of the theology we see in Genesis 1 and, 1 and 2 is it's, it's, it's enacted in the tabernacle. The, the worship that, that, that you would see in the tabernacle, this is God's way of, it's, it's his state of the union address. This is how he's, he sees the world, right? But what you see is, what you see in this construction of a, a tabernacle, however, is that they're building from the inside to the outside. What is the state of the universe per these tabernacle instructions that Israel is separated from God? That by when they're done building the tabernacle, they don't end up in the center, in the Holy of Holies. When they're done, they end up outside the tabernacle with the priest. See, Israel is assigned to the outer courts. Israel... Yes, you're giving your best, but your best isn't good enough for me, Israel. It's not, a, it's not good enough, even though it's your very best. Look at verse 12. Uh, so, again, uh, look at verse, you see, you see this, the, the inward moving outward, right? Uh, verse 3, when you build it, when you set up the tabernacle on the first day, you set up the ark in the middle, and then you bring the table and the lampstand, and then... And then the, you bring the burnt offering in the front of the doorway outside the tent of the meeting. You set the lever, lever, verse 7. You set up all the court all around it. You hang up the screen for the gateway of the court, right? Um, now you're outside the camp. And then finally, what do you do? You bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of the meeting. You wash them with water. The very final thing is you have a priest. You're outside. Now that you have a priest, you, you need a priest. You need a mediator. Well, do they really give their best? Well, we're not done. We're not done. Now, in chapter 40, Israel sends their very best of the best. Their champion of champions, right? Mm -hmm. And verse 16, now Moses. Moses is going to do this, right? And it doesn't get better than this, right? Moses erected the tabernacle. He spread the tent. He took the testimony. He brought the ark. He put the table. He set the arrangements. He lighted the, the lamps before Yahweh, just as Yahweh had, he placed the uh, just as Yahweh had commanded Moses. Verse twenty six. He placed the gold altar. He placed the screen. He he placed the altar. He placed the laver. This is Moses. He is he is the very best of the best, giving his own best. And verse thirty three again. You have he finished. Thus Moses finished the work, like Genesis 2. And you're thinking, surely this is good enough for God. We got Moses, our, our leader, right? The most humble man in the world, our deliverer, our champion. He does, the, he does his best. Surely this is, this is good enough. And yes, you have hope. Look at verse 34. After uh, Mo, uh, uh, Moses builds the tabernacle, look at verse 34. The clothes covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Yahweh filled their tabernacle. But was their best good enough? Look, no, look, verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting. You know, you give your best of your best. You send Moses, he gives his best. And at the very end, Moses, you can't, you can't, not even Moses can enter. Not even Moses can come in the inside because your best isn't good enough. Your best isn't good enough. And this tabernacle represents the whole world in verse 34. 
This represents God's agenda. That one day, God will fill the earth with his glory, right? Isaiah 6, Numbers 14. This is what God has intended all along. This is the this is where the universe this is where the universe universe is going, but there's this big tension because in verse 35, Moses, the best of best of his Israel at his very best, he can't come inside. In other words, Moses is not a true mediator. That, that, that God has a that God God has a way to deal with sin. He he demands a mediator, but Moses, he's not that mediator. He can't be that mediator. But in the meantime, again, this tension, right? In the meantime, look at verse 36. Now throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. But throughout all their journeys, the cloud of Yahweh was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. And so, no, there's not final resolution. We, we don't have a mediator who can represent Israel before God. He can't enter into the very presence of God. But God says, don't worry. Uh, you're going to get there one day. And in the meantime, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to lead you to the promised land. You don't have final resolution now, but one day you'll get there. And so Exodus... It finishes with all these tensions, right? On one hand, Israel's very best is not good enough, but on the other hand, there's hope. There's hope for the future. And so, how are how are how is this tension going to be resolved? If Israel's if Israel's best is not good enough, if even Moses can't be Israel's mediator, how is God going to resolve this tension? And the next book, Leviticus, answers the question, right? Leviticus is the answer to help us figure out how God is going to reconcile sinners to himself, right? And that's why we have Leviticus that follows the book of Exodus, right? So Exodus ends with, hey, I know you're giving your best, but it's not good enough. Well, let me tell you how I'm going to resolve this. And we move to Leviticus. So in the end of Exodus, it sets up perfectly and naturally for the book of Leviticus, right? So it ends pretty powerfully, right? Uh, all this, uh, you, you kind of read this for the first time and you think, why am I reading this? <laughs> what are all these details for? Right? But there's a huge theological point being made. Um, and, uh, and it's a powerful point, right? And it points us to our hope, uh, the hope we have in Christ, will be that the perfect lamb who will die for our sins and rise again.